0: Left off a week and a half ago, uh, we saw Moses was called by God, he saw burning in the bush. He didn't see a burning bush, he saw burning in the bush because the bush did not burn. The bush was not being consumed, but there was fire in the bush. And of course it was God. God called him, God commissioned him, God equipped him, and God cautioned him. And this is what I want to read to you, is God's caution to Moses, because It is pertinent to our lives and what we face every day and how we respond to what we face every day. So listen to what God told Moses is going to happen. God said, you're going to go into Egypt and you're going to talk to Pharaoh. And did God say, and I'm asking a question here to you, did God say everything's going to go smooth and slick and Pharaoh's going to cut you loose right away? No, here's what God says. He said, I'm teaching you what to do. I'm telling you how to say it. And you, I've overruled all your objections. You got Moses. Now I'm going to send you. But listen, God says, verse 19, but I am sure that the king of Egypt, Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. So um, how did God set Moses? He says, I'm calling you to do a job. Go talk to Pharaoh, tell him, let the people go. And, uh, but then God tells him immediately before Moses ever leaves the burning bush, the burning in the bush, God tells Moses, it's not going to work. Everything you say is not going to work. Remember Moses's objections. Who shall I tell him is sent me? What shall I tell him your name is? Um, but I don't speak real good, Lord. I don't know what to do. And God dealt with that. God said, okay, Aaron's going to come. He's going to talk for you. And God put him in that place to go do that and be his spokesman. God could have equipped Moses. But was God looking for Moses to do wonders? We read the rest of it. We just saw it right there. God says, and he is not going to let you go. I am sure of it. When God sure something, do we need to wonder about it? No. There's a lot of things. Uh, I had a kid yesterday uh, that I was working with. We went running down to Biggs for some kind of dilemma, and uh, he got a flat tire. And he calls me, and he goes, Mike, you got to pull over. uh, Help me with my flat tire. Well, some very nice citizen pulled up, and it looked like uh, Mario Andretti's pit stop team. His pickup truck had all the tools. He goes, I got a uh, a pump jack, floor jack. I got an impact gun. Hey, let me help you out. And he grabbed his Floor jack. Have you ever watched the Indianapolis 500? The dudes jump over the wall and they got that car jacked up. Tires changed in about 30 seconds. Well, this guy was headed that way. He wasn't quite that talented though. So he stuck the jack underneath the control arm under the right side of the rear axle, but it's a piece of stamped metal and he just started jacking it up. And unfortunately that control arm started to bend. And now this is a car that my partner deputy, you know, goes 120 miles an hour in. You don't really want to have uh, the geometry fiddled with that much. But the guy was being super helpful. You know, he was doing it. (laughs) And it just wasn't working out real well. He had the right motivation. He had the right attitude. He had tools. He had the right tools to actually do the job. But he didn't get everything right. See, Moses is equipped. God said, I'm giving you a staff. I'm giving you the words to say. I'm telling you to go with the right uh, power behind you, but everything you do is not going to work out real well. So my partner was just worried to death. He's like, "Oh my goodness, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in trouble. They're going to yell at me. Uh, that's bent." And so he had to tell his sergeant, and his sergeant will say, "Send me a picture." So he sends him a picture, and he's like, "Oh Mike, what do you think?" And I said, "Listen, it is not good. The geometry has not changed." You'll be okay to drive home, drive back to the shop, but take it to Public Works and they'll fix it and it's no big deal. And he's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And so he got there. So I went and I looked on the internet. Guess how much that control arm cost for the right rear of a 2019 Chevy Tahoe patrol interceptor? $27. (laughs) He was so stressed for the $27. And I showed him, and you can buy one for 36 if you want the higher price model. but it's the same one. You can get the same thing. And uh, it was interesting because uh, to me, he just wasn't sure of himself. We often are not sure of ourselves. God has commissioned and called every single one of us. He's given us His Holy Spirit's power. He's equipped us. He's sent us out. but God cautions us through His word, and, and I think we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit further. God says, hey, it may not work. You may tell people and they may not accept it. But guess what? That's not on us. Because it's God who does the saving. Did you notice? It was God who said, after you fail, after Pharaoh fails to let him go, here's what I'm going to do. And if you, you like personal pronouns, you go through those next verses and circle where God says, I will. I will. I will. I'm gonna. God does the work. God whoops Pharaoh. But God used Moses to go talk to him first. Even And he told him it's gonna fail. So if you're Moses at this point, God's told you he's gonna fail, so you can just kick back and just go with it, right? You think that's what Moses did? No, no he didn't do that at all. So we'll see. Moses knew God's plan, We know God's game plan and Jesus is coming again. That's God's game plan and Jesus wins and he has the ultimate victory. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. We know that. So why do we get worried when people come against us when we're talking about the things of God? We know the end of the book. It's not on us to make it happen. It's God that's going to do the work. And Moses had to learn this lesson. It took him 40 years to get it right. So I don't know if you got 40 years left or I got 40 years left. But see, God wins. Sin and death are defeated for eternity. But Moses, uh, you know, he, he's ready to go. He's just like us, he's a human. Let's go down to chapter 4 real quick. He goes up to his father in law and uh, verse 18. Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please, let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they still are alive. And Jethro said, Go in peace. And what's interesting is that God reminds him again how things are going to go. And that's verse 21. So this is the second time God is telling Moses he's going to do a job with guaranteed failure. Verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Now, my first human response is when I hear that, is like, okay, well, what if I just don't go at all and you just skip ahead to the end? I mean, brothers and sisters, wouldn't you like that? If God just skipped all this garbage going on, all the unrest and the Antichrist and tribulation, wouldn't you be just happy if God just skipped all that stuff? Why are we here in this time? Why are we here now? What are we supposed to be doing? if Let's just skip to the end and get to the, the river running from the throne of God and the leaves of the tree of life to eat for eternity. Why can't we just skip? No, I Doesn't it sound good? No tears, no sorrow, no sadness, no sickness. Doesn't that sound good? Let's just jump ahead. But sometimes God brings us through the journey for a reason. He's going to take Moses through the journey for a reason. He takes us, and the psalmist said it in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. Well, the only reason he knew there was the shadow of death is because the light of Christ was there to create a shadow. The death is just a shadow. But see, in our lives, we're going to walk through some of those troubles. We're going to walk through some of those times. So let's go down to verse 27 of chapter 4. And the Lord says to Aaron, I want you to go meet Moses in the wilderness. To so Go meet him. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and he kissed him. And that's not a weird thing. They're brothers. That's the Middle Eastern. You know, give him a kiss. Hello. Goodbye. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord had who had Told him all the words of the Lord who had told him, sent him, and all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. So I've got a couple of questions for you. That all sounds really good, right? So what were the signs that Moses does before the children of Israel? He ain't got to Pharaoh yet, but what's the signs that he's doing for them? you got to think back to last time we were together. Or your memory of Bible study. He threw the stick down. The stick down. And what happened to the stick? Turned into a snake. And then he picked it up by the end of the snake. And what did it do? It turned, turned back into a stick. Okay. So in front of the children of Israel, Moses psh, throws it down. Boom. They go, oh, check that out. That's really cool. Wow. You are something else. And Aaron's talking this whole time. And I guess Aaron's a pretty good speakster. So he's talking. Everybody's paying attention. They're like, whoa, this is really, a, this is impressive. And then Moses does one more thing. What does he do? Leprosy. He sticks his hand inside his shirt like a Napoleon thing thingamabobber, pulls it out, and it's white with leprosy. They don't like leprosy. They didn't have a cure. Leprosy is 100% uh, fatal in its end, in the disease that's in the Middle East. And then he takes his hand, and he puts it back in his shirt, pulls it out, and guess what? It's gone. People are like, This man, we got to go to church. We're going to worship God. That's kind of sad when we need to see God's amazing miracles to get us to church to see God and worship God. But the children of Israel, that's what they did. That's where they were headed out. So we jump up. Um, no, actually, there's something here that we need to think about for a second. Because I think we do this sometimes. We say, I want to serve you, God, but let's make it easy. I want to serve you, God, but Soften up the people that are the competition. I want to serve you, God, but make sure they have a positive response when I talk to them. And that's okay because that's a human part of who we are. That's just our humanness. But sometimes those positive responses that other people have around us, that will bolster our expectation of how we want things to go. Is we'll try something and boy, that seemed like it worked real good. Let's do a lot more of it. We never can walk away from the leadership of God and his Holy Spirit in serving God. Sometimes we feel like, hey, I did that. It went pretty good. I got it. I'll handle it. God, you can just take vacation. And I'm just going to work on, you know, because I'm good at this. Um, What God is going to bring Moses through is right now it looks pretty good. He threw that stick down. Wow, snake pulls it up. No snake. No snake. Six hand in, leprosy, pulls it out, leprosy. Oh, wow, put it back in, no leprosy. Moses is feeling pretty good because the children of Israel are like, Woo, this is crazy, let's praise God. And they have church. Moses heads to Pharaoh. Chapter 5, let's go through those first couple verses, 1 through 3. Then afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go. That they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, uh, Who's the Lord? That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, let us go. Three days journey into the wilderness, sacrifice to the God, Lord our God lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Okay, so how's it going so far with Pharaoh? Isn't it kind of interesting? I think they probably walked in with a higher level of expectation of how it was going to go. You know, that went so well with the children of Israel in our preview. I'm pretty sure when we get to Pharaoh, he's just going to fall over and go, Hey, let, let me buy you some tea to drink on the way out. And the very first question that Pharaoh has for him is, who's God? And think about that for a second. Pharaoh's got 40 others or more to choose from. My friend Shamu, when he was up here before, he reminds us at times that there's 360 million Hindu gods. That they can choose from. You have the god of the leaf. The god of the ant. The god of the saliva. The god of the rice. The god of the whatever. There's 360 million different gods the Hindus can choose from. So what is another god to them? Pharaoh's got the god of the Nile. The god of the cow. The god of the frog. The god of the fly. All that list that I read you back a couple weeks ago. He's got all those gods to choose from. Here come his slaves. Who tell them. Our god said. You need To let us go. Think about that for a second. God of the Hebrews. Do you think that's a very powerful statement to a pharaoh? They're in slavery. Positionally, it looks like their God's already failed. Because they were doing pretty good in Goshen when Joseph was there. But 400 years later, now they're under slavery. And all they're doing is making bricks. And this Pharaoh is not impressed at all. He's thinking, man, are these guys the slave God? How powerful can he be? It's a sheep herder's God. How impressive can that be? Pharaoh says, uh, no, it's not going to happen. They say, hey, you know, maybe if you don't let us go, they try to reason him with them a little bit. Maybe God's going to come down with some pestilence or with the sword pestilence kind of takes in everything fire famine floods uh sicknesses everything it's just all that together it's all bad stuff and and, uh, moses and aaron's argument is kind of running out of steam here can you see that so pharaoh and we don't need to um read all the verses but from 6 to 14 pharaoh says it says on the very same day as soon as moses and aaron are out of his court he calls over the boss, and he goes, the bosses of his brick builders, he says, dudes, those Hebrews, he says, you don't give them a stock of straw for the bricks at all, and they got to make the same amount of bricks. Don't let up on them. They don't make them, you beat them. And the Israelites are like, wait, 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 we're, we were doing fine. You know, you gave us straw, we made bricks. Now we got to go find straw. And it says they ran through the land trying to cut stubble down so they could make bricks because they still had to make the same amount of bricks as when they used to get the raw materials from Egypt. And they're not really too excited about that. What we need to remember is God is not only delivering his people, but God is also teaching them who and what he is at the same time he's judging Egypt. I don't think Moses got that back at the bush. I don't think he understood that. He thought, God says, go, tell Pharaoh. Pharaoh's going to cut loose. We're going to head out. We're all good. But that's not what God was doing. God was showing Pharaoh something and judging the entire nation. God was showing the Israelites something and judging them and God was going to deliver them God brings us through trials and and we think God why don't you just help us avoid all the trials why do we have to be in that place why do we have to go through this stuff well we see there's a purpose we'll see that as we go here's an interesting thing verse 22 and 23 uh if you're with me still no I'm going to start at 20 actually Then as they came out from, no, I want to back up even a little further uh, to, what is that? 15, verse 15, chapter 5. Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing with us thus with your servants? Now, these are the same people that were just worshiping because Moses did the staff and the, the hand trick. These are the same people. Now, all of a sudden, Pharaoh's put the brick deal down on them and look who they're at. They're up at Pharaoh's house. Why are you dealing with us this way? There's no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, make brick. Indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is with your own people. But Pharaoh said, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work. But no straw will be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw they were in trouble. Duh. After it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. Now, how do you think this is going to go? Oh, Moses, Aaron. Gee, thanks a lot. Yeah, We were doing pretty good when we had straw for bricks. Now we don't have any straw for bricks. Thanks a lot, Moses. Where is their focus on God? That's what I'm saying. God is bringing Israel through this so that they turn their attention to him. They immediately put their attention back on Pharaoh like he was the guy that was going to deliver them from their trouble of not having straw. It's not the... Last straw, it's the first straw, and they've already given up. You know, if you get down to your last straw and you give up, that's one thing. But if you give up at the first straw, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, that's kind of sad. They get to Moses and Aaron. They said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us as abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Thanks a lot, Moses and Aaron. Thanks a lot. We were doing just fine in captivity. We were doing just fine making bricks. We were doing just fine being sheep herders. We were doing just fine. Look at how their perspective changed. And a lot of times when trouble comes, we're like, God, why can't it be like last week? I didn't have trouble last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago. Is when the trouble comes, where does our attention turn? God's teaching Israel to turn to him. They turned to Pharaoh. Now they turn to Moses and Aaron. Do you think Moses and Aaron have the tools to actually fix their problem? No, No, because God told Moses and Aaron, you're not going to fix it. God says, I'm going to fix it. And Aaron told that to the people, but you know what? Went in one ear, came out the other side. They never held on to that. We need to hold on to the promises of God. God has promised us his presence, his Holy Spirit, his power, his direction, his leadership. We need to hold on to it. Don't give up, go looking for a Mike or a Moses or an Aaron or a Pharaoh. We need to stick with God first. So how far away are they at this point from the burning bush? How far away in time, do you think? God met Moses in the burning bush. Moses and Aaron meet up on the mountain of God. Moses and Aaron, it tells us, leave, go talk to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, same day, gives an order. And then within a very short period of time, the children of Israel are back complaining and talking to Pharaoh. And now they're talking to Moses. So not much time has gone by in the whole scheme of things. Not much time at all. Now look what Moses says to God. And this is a focal point right here is uh, verse 22 and 23. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on these people? Why is it you sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. What did God tell Moses was going to happen? It wasn't going to work. Did he not know that this was going to be the result? God repeated it a second time to him and said, hey, you guys go talk to him, but he's not going to listen. God tells us a lot of things in his word, and he tells us how people will react. And sometimes we forget that. Why was Moses' expectations different than what God told him to expect? How did Moses get to that point? Go ahead, what did you he say? He's human. Because he's human. He's like us. And God's still working on us. And God's bringing us through a process of building us and strengthening us. We'll talk about that a little further in a second. Let me go just a little bit further here in chapter uh, 6. Um. Then the Lord says to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he not only is going to let them go, but he's going to drive them out of the land. Pharaoh, when God steps in now and God starts doing what he's going to do, when it's over after the 10th plague, Pharaoh is not going to be like, yeah, if you want to go leave. Pharaoh's going to be like, Get out of my country now. Get out of here. Because God's plan works. But Moses knew that it wasn't going to work for him to do it. But God's talking here. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. There's the first thing we got to remember in our lives is we are not God. Sometimes it's easy to trickle in that idea that because I humanly accomplished something one time, or maybe I'm good at something, or maybe God gave me a talent of throwing a stick down and having it become a snake, that that's my power. That that's my strength. Where does that come from? It comes from God. So the first thing God tells Moses is, I'm God. You're not God. I'm God. I appeared to Abraham. To Isaac, to Jacob, as God Almighty, but by my name, Yahweh or the Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land, which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Did you catch that part? He said there, then you shall know. There's the whole point. Is you're going to know God did it. It wasn't Aaron. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't Pharaoh. It wasn't uh, some crafty plan. It wasn't great oratorship. It wasn't magic tricks on the ground. It was none of that stuff. It was God doing it. And everybody was going to know. The children of Israel were going to know. They were going to know that it was God that did it. And it wasn't Moses. Moses was going to know that it wasn't him. And it's already settled in, I think, by this point, is that the very first day it didn't work out real well. The very first time he tried to go talk, it just didn't work out. They showed his tricks. It didn't work out. Is he's going to know as well that it's God that did it. How quickly we forget sometimes. Moses uh, tells God almost immediately, hey, they're not going to listen. And a matter of fact, uh, they don't listen. And the reason they don't listen is because they got anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And God says, now start over. Go back and talk to Pharaoh. And Moses immediately has an excuse, verse 12. Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. And God sends him on in, and we'll see further how that goes. Moses complains to God. Nobody's doing what I say. Why did Moses expect a different reaction? Because somewhere along the way, Moses got confused about who was doing what. Moses got thinking that he was in charge of doing it rather than God was in charge of doing it. And that can happen to us very simply sometimes. We need to remember God saves people. We don't save anyone. Jesus said... Uh, in fact, someone looked this up. Matthew six thirty-four. Someone head there, look that one up. Someone else, get a Bible and go to uh, Mark Matthew twenty-four, verse four through fourteen. When you get to the uh, Matthew six, go ahead and read that for us. This is a huge challenge for us as humans. And uh, I dare say that everybody in this, everyone in this room has at one time or another laid in bed thinking about tomorrow. How am I going to take care of something? How am I going to fix something? What am I going to do? We've even started before we ever got to bed. And we're worried about tomorrow. We're worried about the next day. We're worried about next week. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Jesus says you need to live today. You got today. And you know why you got today? Is because God's with you. Because his power, his Holy Spirit will lead you through today. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. When you get to tomorrow, tomorrow's there. When you deal with tomorrow's trouble, it'll be there. Deal with it then. Trust God for today. Trust him right now where you are. When you give up sleep, because you're worried about tomorrow, you've taken it from God's hands and you put it back in your own. You're doing a Moses. Don't do a Moses. God's told you already, He'll be with you, He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you. You can trust Him. The psalmist said, I will lay me down to sleep in peace. Is we gotta learn how to lay those things at the foot of the cross. We gotta learn how to give those things to Jesus and to let Him go. You can't fix it tomorrow when it's today. Jesus said right now is what you need to think about. Right now. Let's go on to the next one. Let's see how this goes in a bigger... That's today. That's us. That's right now in the moment. Who's got Matthew 24? Go ahead, Kathy. 4 to 14. 4 to 14.
1: And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines pestilences and earthquakes in various places all these are the beginnings of sorrows then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake and then many will be offended will betray one another and will hate one another Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come.
0: So what you just heard, what God wrote to you in his word, is just like when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush. He told them what's gonna happen. God's told, told us what's gonna happen. I find it interesting at work, I'll be sitting there and the fellows come in and, and man, oh, there's gonna be a war, there's a civil war, the Israel's getting bombed and the Hamas this and that, and worry, worry, worry. Everyone's worried. Don't fret, it's gonna happen. We just read it. We just heard it. Jesus said there's going to be wars and rumors of war. He also said that they're going to take you and they're going to beat on you. They may even kill you. But the gospel will be preached throughout the entire world. It's going to happen. It's going to get done. Just like in Egypt, God's going to deliver his children, and he did. It's going to happen. It's a reality we face. So why do we give any focus? Why do we give any time to worrying about things that God said are going to happen and he said he will be with us? Why do we give it any time? We're just doing to Moses. We don't need to. It's wasted energy. It's wasted time. Is the things that are going on in our country now, the judgment that is coming from God in our country right now, is we don't need to fret that. God's got it handled. You say, but there's, I I can't see my way through the sea of confusion around me. Well, God parted the Red Sea for Moses. He didn't move Moses around the sea. He just made a way right through the middle of it. So when you see the world around you and you say, man, this is confusing and this is an obstacle and I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through life. is Remember, God is the God who parts waters. God is the God who showed up for Israel and had the pillar of cloud and the fire and led them day and night. Told them where to camp, told them where to walk, told them when, told them how. Can we trust God? It's really what it comes down to. Can we trust God? Are we willing to trust God? God's the one who saves people. I'm going to read 2 Timothy here real quick. Uh, This Paul uh, gives us a little perspective On life and the things that he uh, endured. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting with um, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. We're in that world right now. We're in that time where the message of babel, the message of, of profane words of garbage and ungodliness is increasing every single day around us, all around us. But God told us it's going to happen. So we don't have to be shocked when it does. We can be ready to go through, but it's not about us. Paul said, hey, if I even go to jail, if, I, if I'm going to jail because of the cause of Christ, remember this, the word of God's, no one can chain the word of God. I might get chained up in this body, but nobody's restraining God. And God gave us the story of Moses in Egypt and the deliverance so that we'd understand that God says something, he means it. And he's going to show up and he's going to do it and it's going to happen. Uh, In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul gives us even a little more perspective on the situation because Paul, just like Moses, was human. Just like us, he's human. And uh, man, some days you just feel like everything's going wrong. So this is what he said. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we might be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So I don't know if you caught the intricacies of the English language there, but the Father of mercies and the God of how much comfort? All comfort. Who comforted us in all of our tribulation. All. That word is there again. That means everything, right? It's all inclusive. So whatever your tribulations that come in your life, can God not comfort you in? According to God's word, none. Every single one of them, everything you will go through, everything, God has the ability to comfort us. And he comforts us, not so that we can have a nice day, but he comforts us so that we can comfort others who are going through the same things. God may be taking you through Egypt so that you can help someone through the Red Sea. God may be taking you through the wilderness so that you can help someone to the promised land. We need to pay attention because it's God that's doing the leading. It's God that's doing the work. He goes on a little bit further. He says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. And let me put that in a little better English for you. It doesn't matter how big our suffering is, Christ is always right there. He's big enough to handle it. His grace is always sufficient. I hear people say, oh, I just wish God show up and do something. I just wish God would take this away from me. I just wish God would, you know, hurry up and fix this. And I just wish, God. hey, listen, his grace is sufficient. Trust his grace. We're always looking for the easy way. It's a, it's a normal human reaction. It's an it's a Israelite reaction. Let's go back to the source. Let's go to Pharaoh. and We'll ask Pharaoh if he'll just ease up. Just, just let us make a few less bricks. God didn't want to make him bricks at all. God wanted them in the promised land. And that's where God's going to take them. And that's where God's going to put them. They were willing in captivity to stay in captivity if they could just make a few less bricks. Think about that. In your captivity, are you willing to stay there if God just make it a little bit better? Or are you willing to live in the freedom that he has promised you? knowing that he's there, that he's going to carry you through. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings, which we also suffer. Or if we're comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so you will also partake of the consolation. That's because we're the children of God. And God has provided what his kids need. God knows how to take care of his kids. We don't draw comfort from our success. We draw it from God, even in the worst of situations. Just a couple more verses out of, first, out of James chapter 1, verse 2 and through 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable, In all his ways, Moses had to get over double mindedness. God told him exactly how Pharaoh was going to react. And yet Moses, in a double minded manner, was worried more about how the children of Israel thought of him. They're not in charge of him. God's in charge of him. God commissioned him. God called him. God equipped him. God sent him. God's going to do what he's going to do. And God told Moses exactly how it was going to go. Moses wavered. But Moses got past that. And Moses learned. And it took a while. And during the wilderness, there were days that he had bad days. He's God, kill me now. He says, i would just soon die because this is ridiculous. You call me out here with a bunch of hard-headed knuckleheads. And, and they don't ever listen. And they don't ever do the right thing. They don't ever pay attention to God's word. What we need to do, though, is turn our attention back on God. If we ask God, He'll give us the wisdom. We don't need to doubt. We don't need to waver because He's already given us in His Word everything we need for life. It's here. And with His Holy Spirit actively in us, Moses moved from double mindedness and He did lead. But it's not easy. It takes work, it takes trust, it takes focus takes integrity to be willing to do the right thing even when no one's looking is to believe to know that God's there with you not to double-mindedly think oh well I'm not here I told four dudes yesterday we were having a little uh, discussion they're pretty rough guys they had a lot of tattoo ink on and turns out one of them actually Callie arrested her first week on the job in Clear Lake and I arrested him about a month and a half ago And uh, he was actually very kind and thankful that I arrested him, which was interesting. But um, we had a a discussion and he says, you know, you're different than a lot of uh, cops that I run into. And I said, well, I just try to do, be the same person I am in this uniform as I am at home with my wife and with my kids and grandkids. And I can't be a different person on Monday and a different person on Sunday. I can't, and I told him I was a preacher, and I said I can't be, you know, a preacher on Sunday and then be out here doing the exact opposite on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Can't be that guy. I have to be that same dude. And uh, they all thanked me and shook my hand as we walked away. One of them had a warrant, and uh, he got a piece of paper. And the other fellow is going to trial with me in about a month, and and yet they um, were accepting of their choices that they made in their circumstances, I didn't have to fear them. I didn't have to fear them all. A couple of them were bigger than me. But I didn't have to fear them because the God I serve says don't worry about what man can do unto you. And I trust God. I trust God more than my gun. I trust God more than my taser, more than my pepper spray. I trust God. And If God can do for Moses what God would do and bring the children of Israel out of a hopeless situation, I know God can take care of my life. So I want to trust God. I want to count it all joy when suffering comes. I want to be in that place is that I can accept whatever comes and turn to God and say, hey, I need a little more grace and know that God's going to do that for me. It's not about how great I am. Is not about how great I can do, but it's about the God that I love and serve that saved me. He's where our focus has to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the opportunity today to dig into your word, to see a little bit about Moses's life. And uh, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would just take whatever we've uh, gone over and what needs to be heard, is cement that. What needs to be tossed out, Lord, take it away praise you. We love you.